Can you imagine your life where money is your friend, working with you to achieve all your dreams and desires? If you struggle seeing money as your friend, then join Kathy Cook Noble, financial advisor and educator on understanding how your money can work for you. It is possible. Now, here is Financially Speaking with Kathy Cook Noble. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Inspired Choices Network. You are listening to Financially Speaking with your host, Kathy Cook Noble, and I am excited to be here for another round to talk about finances and how they affect you. That's what we do here. We try to take whatever complex topics or confusing topics that are out there in finance and we break it down so that you can understand it, you can handle it, and you can deal with it because you absolutely can understand your own stuff. You do not need to have a PhD. You do not need to be a licensed advisor like myself. You are 100% capable of understanding your own stuff. I find the biggest the biggest part that people get caught up in is trying to compare themselves to everybody else and try and understand everybody else's stuff. And it doesn't really matter if you understand their stuff because a lot of it doesn't apply to you. So if you have any questions or confusions or myths that you want busted open on finance, write in, email me, give us a call, let me know, and we will tackle that for you. And I also encourage you to check out the other shows here on the Inspired Choices Network because they are... uh, there's something for everyone. There are shows out there where we help you really live your best life and be your best version of yourself. And if there's something that we're missing and it's entirely possible that we're missing a a topic that needs to be covered on a regular basis, because if you're thinking about it, so are 10 other people that you know and and multiplies from there. So contact Christine McIver. She's our fearless leader here at the Inspired Choices Network. And she will be super happy to talk to you about what kind of topic should be um, addressed and how you can go about doing it. And I know some of you out there are thinking, I would really like to have my own show and I really think I could handle hosting one, but I'm really shy or I'm really nervous. And I can assure you that doesn't matter. (laughs) Christine will walk you through it. You're talking to, you're listening to someone right now who's a numbers person, a behind the scenes person, and someone who's a financial advisor and a bookkeeper in a finance, like you cannot get any more numbers than that. And Christine was uh, extremely helpful and extremely patient. Just don't tell her I told you how patient she was when she walked me through the show and all the technology and, and how we do it. And the reality is it's actually not that difficult. So I know that there's a lot of people out there that can handle it. Uh, so please reach out if there's a topic missing, because our goal here on the Inspired Choices Network is to really help make everyone a, a better person and have a better life. And in turn, that will definitely help make our world a better place. So take your part, uh, plug yourself into the other shows, get the help you need. If it's something with your pets, your children, your family, your relationships, your finances, we have something here for everybody. And the hosts are extremely, extremely approachable and uh, welcome your comments, your questions and your support to Uh, that they can support you with and help you with your journey. So check us out on the inspiredchoicesnetwork.com, call in or join us in the chat room and ask your questions live. There's just all kinds of great opportunities for us. And we are podcast in over 50 platforms. So you can find us uh, on various platforms as well as on our inspiredchoicesnetwork.com website. So tonight... 
we are going to tackle another topic and we're doing a series uh, because we're in a very special time right now. It's very unique. Uh, I'm sure most people that are listening have not been through a pandemic. There's probably some people listening that who have lived through some very serious changes in the world, uh, be it uh, world war or, or any kind of uh, war that we've had since like desert storm or whether it's SARS or anything else. There's always been big events that have taken place. We've had the crash of the stock market in the twenties, another big drop in the eighties, and then the, the great recession in the 2009. So we've had lots of things happening and there's always something happening in the market. And this is the part that I think if we understand this, then we will actually have no problem really from an emotional side, understanding the rest of the financial world. Uh, and the reality is things are going to change. They are going to go up and they are going to go down. It's how you react to them and how your emotions get a hold of you or if your emotions um, getting your way of helping you understand your finances or make you react in a way that you wouldn't normally. And the, the real secret, if you want to know, the real secret in finance is the people who have the ability to control their emotions and look at it objectively are the ones who do the best. People who invest on an emotional level are usually, and I say usually because if they are doing it themselves, they're always the ones that uh, end up having more challenges than not. But usually they're the ones that have more challenges if they don't have any advice whatsoever. Uh, now, having said that, they're the ones that get all excited too when their, their stocks or their portfolios go up and they might cash them in. So therefore they take the gain, which uh, is great. <laughs> the only problem is, uh, the other the other secret of the financial world is absolutely no one. I don't care who they are, how long they've been in the business, how many PhDs they have, how many letters are after their name or how good they are in math. They absolutely cannot time the market. So there is no one out there. The best portfolio managers, uh, people like Warren Buffett, they cannot time the market. And that means they can't tell you that today is the day that the market is at the highest or today is the day the market's at the lowest. So you should buy or you should sell. That's not how it works. Investing is over the long term. So just so we're clear on a couple terms, investing is the long-term plan. Savings is a short-term plan. If you're saving to go on a vacation, it might be a one-year savings plan, but you're saving. That's money that's going to be spent in a specific period of time that you have earmarked for it. An investment is something that's over the long term. And the long term is typically your retirement, you know, five year, 10 year plan, kids' education, whatever the case is. But investing is a long term plan. So when we talk about investing in savings, I know a lot of people use those terms uh, interchangeably, which is fine because usually in the course of the conversation, you can figure out whether it's short or long term. But the reality of it is investing takes you down the long path and the savings is meant to be the short-term path. So today in our series on this pandemic, because right now it's, uh, it's a very unique situation because like I said, we've all been through stuff, but not every country is going through stuff at the same time. So this is kind of a weird and uh, interesting time because the whole world is globally connected to this pandemic. So we did have the Great Recession of uh, 2008, 2009, and not all market, and all, you know, the market, the stock market, the bottom fell out of it and it dropped drastically. 
uh, and then it started to grow and it came back because like I said, it goes up, it goes down. That's the nature of the beast. And not all countries were affected to the same degree at the same time. Similar with the pandemic here, we're not all at the exact same level where we have, we're all having the same outbreaks at the same time, but uh, we are all in it together because nobody has the vaccine, nobody has the answers, uh, nobody has the solution per se right now. So all countries are trying to do different things. So people in Canada uh, have a different approach than some in the US versus some in uh, New Zealand versus some in Australia. So these are all the things that we have to remember, just like our finances, not uh, everyone is doing exactly the same thing, nor can we. So what we do have happening in this pandemic is the financial world is still spinning and the financial world always spins. So it works 24 seven when we're awake, when we're asleep, there's always something happening in the financial world. So the cool thing about that is you have opportunities and opportunities are either taken or they're lost. And the good news about that is if you don't take the opportunity today, there will be another opportunity down the road. Can I tell you when it is? No. <laughs> Can I tell you how big it's going to be? No. Can anybody? No. Can anyone look back and have 2020 vision to say that the best time to have invested would have been in 2009 after March 9th when it hit the bottom? Uh, yep, that would have been great to know. But if you had asked me March 9th is today the bottom? Nobody could have told you for sure. They would have guessed that it was, but they also guessed that, you know, March the 8th was the bottom. They also guessed that February 12th was the bottom. They also guessed that January 16th was the bottom. So we never know exactly how things are until we look back and review it. So today, when we talk, our, our continuing our talk on the pandemic and finances, we're going to talk about different things that have changed in the financial world over this pandemic. And I suspect are not going to change back after there's a vaccine and we're all out of quarantine and allowed to roam freely like we used to, if that happens. And if it does, uh, it won't be for a very long time, I suspect. So we're gonna talk today about, uh, I have to let you know that Rob Carrick is uh, one of the columnists for, he's a, he's a finance columnist and he writes for the Globe and Mail and he's, he's really quite good. And a lot of people in the financial world uh, know who he is and usually read him. So I'm going to quote from him tonight, the three things you can do right now to defend your family finances, because he's, he's very insightful. And there's three things that you can do um, to protect your family's finances. So the one is stop tormenting yourself about the stock market. A lot of people think that they understand the stock market because it's on TV and, and you can see the, the ticker symbols and you can see the red and the green and people talk about this, the market all the time. Uh, don't torment yourself about it. You don't have to be an expert on it. The, um, the, the challenge is, <laughs> like I said, and, and like Rob Carrick confirms, he says, when the coronavirus is beaten and the economy starts to rebound, the stocks are going to surge. That's his prediction. Um, but he also says this is a, a long way from happening. There's a lot of uncertainty right now. And the extent of the downturn in the economy and the spread of this COVID-19, uh, it's, 
there's a lot of uncertainty for that for stocks to start to say, hey, let's recover because we now know we're out of the the the, the dangerous area. But right now, just accept, and this is the best approach for your mental uh, wellness, is just accept that the stock market is not yet rebounded and stop tormenting yourself about it. Stop trying to say, should I get in? Should I get out? What should I do? Um, what's my best play? Because the question isn't, what do you, what stocks are you buying right now? Or what investments are you making? It's how am I going to preserve my family's wealth and my family's portfolio or my portfolio? And I'm not, I, as anyone knows that's listened to the show before, I'm not here to tell you what stock to buy. Um, I can't do that anyway. <laughs> that would be against the rules. But uh, I can tell you different things to look at and how to keep your mental wellness about it. So re- accept right now that your best mental approach to stocks is to stop tormenting yourself about it. Uh, one thing that you want to keep to keep yourself in equilibrium and keep yourself balanced uh, is that just about everyone who has exposure to the market with any individual stocks, any ETFs, you've heard that term before, exchange traded funds, or any mutual funds, they've all been through the ringer. Everybody's been through the up and down phase of this whole pandemic. Everybody's everybody's seen and felt a little bit of pain. And, and there's a very good chance that people have already seen the recovery and they're making money in it. Uh, I can tell you, I watch that every day and I can tell you I've seen people who are absolutely making money now and they, but they did have some down in the beginning and we have done some uh, rejigging, if you will, for some of their investments and now they're, they're performing very well. And that is one of the advantages, uh, whether you use a financial advisor or not, it's totally up to you. You're not required to. Uh, you are required to if you want to access certain things because you can't without a license. But for the most part, you can buy whatever stocks you want. Um, you can access a lot of different funds, but uh, you you don't have somebody to really bounce ideas off with and talk to. And if you're not prepared to do your homework on your investments, then you're really just more gambling than you are investing because investing is a strategy and investing is planning. Investing is just not going to Vegas and picking black or red. So just keep that in mind, depending on what your particular goals are, maybe it's something you do yourself. Uh, Maybe you do some yourself and maybe you do some with a professional Uh, or maybe you let the professional handle it because you don't have time and you don't have the stomach for it. It's totally up to you. So we're going to talk more tonight about finances and the pandemic, uh, some of the changes that have come through, some of the changes that I know are going to stay and how that's going to affect you and your, your finances. We are up to our first break of the night. So we're going to take a short break and then we're going to come back and keep our conversation going about how we really, it's all about protecting our money, preserving our capital. That's, that's the key here. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Financially Speaking on the Inspired Choices Network, and we will be right back. Too many of us get caught up in the unreal lives of reality television and complete to acquire stuff, which is setting us up to accumulate lots of debt. We're scared, confused, and don't know who to talk to. By tuning into Financially Speaking Radio Show with financial advisor and educator Kathy Cook Noble, you'll learn tips you can use to improve your financial health, which in turn can improve your overall health and make for a very happy life. Live a life you can afford and enjoy. It is possible. 
Listen for Financially Speaking Radio Show every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is Financially Speaking Radio Show with financial advisor and educator Kathy Cook Noble. To participate in the program, call in the U.S. 815 880 8255. Canada 613-800-8736 or Skype us at Inspired Choices Network. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email by sending to Kathy at bookkeepplus.ca. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to Financially Speaking on the Inspired Choices Network, and I'm your host, Kathy Cook-Noble, and tonight we're continuing our pandemic series on finances and how this pandemic will affect you, uh, how it does affect you, because we are all affected by this pandemic, and our finances are all affected, maybe to the good, maybe not to the good. A lot of people are struggling right now. I know a lot of businesses are struggling the outcome that they're predicting for small business is very sad and very bleak when you're close to 50% that they're predicting on a failure rate in small for small business in Canada. It's a little bit scary, but um, what we can do is help each other and support each other the best we can through this pandemic. I, I, I know from a financial point of view, there are, are some people and I've, I've seen it where they've done very well. Uh, frankly, if you're in the hand sanitizer business, you're probably doing pretty good because that's going to be a high demand for a long time. And I think it's important that we all make sure that we're following whatever protocol we need to follow to make sure that we keep each other safe. Now, keeping our finances safe, that is unique to each of us. So what are some of the things we can do to keep ourselves safe? Well, before the break, I mentioned stop torturing yourself about the stock market. You're not going to predict it and you're not going to be able to, to say when it's going up, when it's coming down, and you're not going to be able to um, make that call and make sure that you're in the, at the right time and out at the right time. But here's what I do know. People who were in the market through the 2008-2009, I'm going to use that one as the most recent because it was huge. It was a, a massive downturn. It was a re- they call it the Great Recession. Um, the the what I do know with the Great Recession is that even though people lost money, and I say lost in quotes because you don't actually lose money until you cash in. So until you actually accept that loss and cash in. Uh, it's just on paper. 
And same thing for uh, the gains. You don't accept the gains until you actually lock them in and by cashing it in. But here's what I know. The people who stayed in the market bounced back faster and made more money than those who tried to time it and jumped out of the market. So by, by significant amounts, if you stay out of the market, the challenge you're going to run into is when to get back in. And you are losing all kinds of compounding and dividend reinvestments. And that is the part that is kind of the magic of investing is the compounding. So that's where you get interest on interest on interest. And if you've ever heard of Albert Einstein, then you might know that he thought compound interest was the seventh wonder of the world. And it is kind of cool. So if you ever have time to look at compound interest, it's kind of exciting. Um, but it also works in reverse. So if you're not invested and you have a lot of debt and you're paying on a credit card, you know, at the bottom of your credit card statement where it says, if you pay the minimum balance, it will take you 153 years to pay this, pay this off. Yeah, that's also compounding at its at its worst. And that's where you're compounding interest on interest on interest. But the that interest is what you owe, not what you are um, earning. So we're going to one of the things we're going to do is we're going to stop obsessing and torturing ourselves about understanding the stock market and trying to time it. The second thing we're going to do, and these are suggestions by Rob Carrick, which are which are pretty great. Uh, you want to create what's called a wartime family budget. So what is that? This is if your income's threatened by this new unfolding economic slowdown, then you need to have a battle plan. And he's saying the battle plan involves uh, a wartime budget. What does that mean? That's budget that that's a budget that covers the money that you can reasonably expect in the months ahead. So you, you can sit down if you're at home and you think your income's at risk, you can figure out how much you need in expenses for the next several months. You can also look at, and this is, I'm going to say this with a, a caution and then we'll talk about it, but you can also look at what can, what has to be paid and what may be deferred. So I know a lot of places in Canada and the U.S., uh, generally all across North America, there are deferrals, there's, uh, um, I know the United States right now, they're talking about a stimulus package again. We've had stimulus packages here in Canada. There's all kinds of different programs. There's all kinds of different fundings that uh, aren't necessarily that easy to understand and don't necessarily stay. Sometimes they change the rules. I know here in Canada, we've had a couple of programs where every day I was checking to see what the new rules were. But for the most part, there's a lot going on with the government. And there's a lot in the banks and the utility sector. So here's the thing. The banks announced, so we can defer your payments. Well, people get excited about that and they think, yeah, right on, deferring the payments. And that can be very helpful. But deferring is the key word. That means you're not getting rid of them. That means you got to pay them just at a later date. So what does that look like? That looks like this. We took, say, for example, we deferred a payment from January or from, sorry, from June, July, and August. And they said, you can defer that payment for three months. Well, now in September, you would have had a payment come up and you're going to have the regular payment plus either half or a whole of the June payment. Now there are different, I've seen a lot of combinations of how they're doing this. And one of them is you can defer it for uh, six months. And then at six months, they start to charge you one and a half payments for 12 months following. 
So these are different ways you need to look at your finances because if you can't pay a $500 payment today, can you pay a $750 payment in three months, six months, whatever the deferral is? I've also seen where the banks, some on some businesses, they automatically deferred the loan amount, but people are paying interest only. So there are some people who didn't want that to happen because they financially, they could handle the cash flow. It was tight, but they were making it work and they preferred to keep paying down their loan, even though the bank automatically did the um, principal deferment and the interest only was being paid. You need to watch these and you need to remember deferral. It all sounds great, except defer means pay later. So any banks or utilities that have announced these deferral payments, you, you really want to watch uh, in your household budget. Are there ways that we can cut costs and we have to be preparing if we've deferred payments to be paying for that in whatever the three months, six months timeframe is that you have to uh, pay that. Now, uh, Rob talks about a, a search and destroy mission on every cost you can't justify in the current conditions. So this is, he's, he's saying, treat it like a wartime budget. That means we have, we're seeking war on our, on our financial future. We're, we're trying to save all the money, preserve the cash, uh, preserve the capital. So if you're making monthly payments for membership fees, and this is something quite honestly that you should be doing regardless of it being a pandemic, but because we're in it, it's forcing people to do it. So once you get out of the pandemic, don't go back to the old habits of spending wastefully. So go through your monthly payments. If you're paying for things that you're not using, either put them on hold or get rid of them. Uh, if you're going to be streaming services uh, to get through all these hours at home, uh, that's fine, but make it a limit. You don't need all 10 or 12 streaming services that you have on your television because you can't watch them all at the same time anyway. And people don't realize that $12 a month here and $10 a month there, they all add up. And when you get into those streaming, you start looking at that, then you're into spending a lot of money and you're committing to it. So go through your streaming services and just pick the one or two that you're actually using. And that might be because of content or it might be because of price and then get rid of the rest. That's just one example. There's all kinds of memberships and uh, prices that you can eliminate out of your budget. So go at that. Like you have absolutely your life depended on it. And then you will get into a position where you're saving money and you're being more efficient and you're, you're hopefully putting aside the money you need for the deferment. So if you're one of those people that has a payment deferred, for example, that principal got deferred and you're still in a position to pay it, even if it's really, really tight, put that money aside in an account, uh, potentially an interest bearing account with no bank fees, like one of the online ones like Tangerine or EQ Bank or uh, the Canadian Tire uh, Financial one. Uh, any of those banks that are, are no fees, but pay you a little bit of interest, put your money aside into that, save it up, be prepared for when the payment comes due because it is coming due. Now, um, sometimes what you want to do if you're in an emergency situation and you're investing a regular amount every month, rather than just cut it out. And I see a lot of people do that. They just turn off those pre-authorized 
checking payments where they're automatically contributing a, a certain amount to their um, investments. And instead of just turning them off, maybe cut them back a little bit. So say you're doing $100 a month into your retirement plan, cut it back to $75 a month and try and keep it going because you don't want to change your habit. Once you change your habit of saving, it's very easy to stay in that habit of not saving. Uh, I see a lot of changes and, and, you know, you see on different social media jokes and stuff about the COVID 20 pounds. And I mean, it, you laugh and stuff, but the reality is people are in the habit of watching more TV, eating more junk food, uh, exercising less. Uh, these are all habits that we don't want to stay in, not saving for your future and putting money into your investment is not a habit you want to stay in. And for heaven's sakes, don't cancel your life insurance. That is not one of those areas in the budget you should be cutting. Keep the life insurance in place. Uh, the, other, the other point that we want to look at is, the third point, is to get ready for your bank to be nosing around in your finances. So we're going to take our, we're up just about up to our second break of the night. So we're going to talk about that when we get back. But what I want to mention to people is when you're looking at your finances, nobody, nobody cares more than you do about your finances. Not, not your neighbor, not your cousin, not your siblings, not your parents. Nobody but you cares the most about your finances. Because as much as, it's, as it is for people to come in and get advice, and either from someone like me or from a family member or a trusted friend, whatever the case is, you don't have to take the advice. You know what's best for you. It's the same in your business. If you have a business, you understand your business better than anybody else. You're in it every day. You eat, you drink, you sleep it. It's the same as your finances. You know yourself better than anybody else. You know, if you're a saver, you know, if you're a spender, you know, if you can't be trusted with having it in cash, you'll spend it all in one spot. You know, if you have to have somebody else help control that for you, you know that, you know, it better than anybody. So when we're, when we come back from the bank, the break, I'm going to talk to you about how the banks already nosing around in your finances. And we have to make sure that you're prepared for all the things that are coming with that. So don't go anywhere. You are listening to Financially Speaking on the Inspired Choices Network. And I'm your host, Kathy Cook-Noble, and we will be right back. Too many of us get caught up in the unreal lives of reality television and complete to acquire stuff, which is setting us up to accumulate lots of debt. We're scared, confused, and don't know who to talk to. By tuning into Financially Speaking Radio Show with financial advisor and educator Kathy Cook-Noble, you'll learn tips you can use to improve your financial health, which in turn can improve your overall health and make for a very happy life. Live a life you can afford and enjoy. It is possible. Listen for Financially Speaking Radio Show every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Money is complicated, right? Actually, no, it's not. You don't have to be a trader on Wall Street to get a handle on your money. TV shows often instill fear to keep you believing you can't understand it or do anything yourself. If dealing with your finances brings up a lot of other F-words, then you need to read All Ladies Should Use the F-Word, A Guide to Loving Your Finances by Kathy Cook Noble. 
Kathy helps you take control of your finances and leave the other F word, fear, in the dust. This is Financially Speaking Radio Show with financial advisor and educator, Kathy Cook Noble. To participate in the program, call in the U.S. 815-880-8255, Canada 613-800-8736, or Skype us at Inspired Choices Network. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email by sending to kathy at bookkeepplus.ca. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to Financially Speaking on the Inspired Choices Network, and I am your host, Kathy Cook-Noble, and we just break it all down in layman's terms, plain language, real English, not financial jargon. We don't, I try my best not to use all the acronyms. Sometimes it's, uh, I get in the habit of it, but uh, someone will give me a nudge and they'll remind me not to, to do that, or they'll throw something at me or whatever. So, no acronyms as best we can, <laughs> because there are certainly a lot of them in our financial world. So before we went to break, we were talking about the the three main areas that, that uh, was recommended by Rob Carrick. And with this pandemic is stop tormenting yourself about the stock market, create a wartime family budget. And then the third one is get yourself ready for the banks to be nosing around in your finances. So here's what you need to know about the banks. They are they're not just sitting around waiting for someone to come to them and say, oh, I'm in trouble. I have distress with my finances. I need to defer payments on my mortgage. I need to borrow money. I need to defer payments on my borrowings, whatever the case is. They know that for themselves because most people don't read the paperwork that they sign on their credit cards or their loan documents or whatever it is. But banks can, they monitor your score, your uh, credit score your FICO score in the States, your Beacon score in Canada, but it's your credit score. And they get that because they buy that data from whatever the credit company is that's monitoring it. So you, you've heard of Equifax, you've heard of TransUnion. Those are big ones that, that uh, do reporting. Now, mind you, you could pull your report for both of them and it's not necessarily the same, but that's a whole other show. <laughs> uh, but banks, any, anyone that does a credit score check, they need your permission to do it. And the banks have already gotten the permission from you because they have that embedded in the terms and conditions of any of the borrowing and lending documents. So what does this mean? So when you sign up for your credit card, you're not just authorizing them to check it, but you're also authorizing them to continue to check your credit. So they can check it at any time. So what they're doing now is they check your credit and they see that you're not making your payments. They see that you're struggling and they can see that that you have some financial distress. So there's there's two important points when it comes to credit. And I'm not going to this isn't the show about credit. We've done that before and maybe it's time we do it again with this pandemic, but um there's two inquiries with your credit you need to know about. One is a soft inquiry and one is a hard inquiry. A soft inquiry is typically when you're just pulling your score. Right. So a lot of banks now, especially in Canada, I've seen just about all of them. They have a spot on their website where you can log in. And then when you're in your account in the corner on the side, wherever it is, depends on the bank, but it'll say, check your credit score. That's a soft inquiry. You're not getting uh, a detailed listing. You're just getting your beacon score or your FICO score. Uh, Now, a hard inquiry, that's when somebody is pulling your credit to see you owe money to 
company ABC, you have a mortgage rented, uh, registered, you have this credit card, that credit card, which, what's your status? Are you an R1 or an R9, which means you paid on time or you've paid uh, always late or you're always behind. So, and, and then anything in between. So they're always able to pull those. So they're pulling soft scores. They're just looking to see your score go down. So what does that do? Well, that's going to, that, that score is going to impact your interest rate. So if you got a loan or a credit card, for example, and yes, the credit cards are, are always ones we hear about as the ones that are 20 to 30%. And that's all true. But there are some cards where it might have a 10% or 15% card uh, interest rate. But when your Beacon score or your FICO score goes down, the interest rate can go up. And the credit card companies have the right to do that. And the banks have the right to do that because it's part of the terms and conditions. So you want to make sure when you're deferring these payments or when you're skipping payments, what is it doing to your credit score? What is it doing not just to your financial cash flow, because obviously it's affecting that because you're not making the payment and you're deferring the payment, which means you're going to be making up these payments and uh, whether or not you can is going to be a challenge, but the credit score impact can be, can be a long term one, because if you're not paying attention to it, then you can take a long time to fix your credit score. I recommend to people that if your bank is check my credit score, it's, it's a soft inquiry. It doesn't cost anything. It doesn't affect your credit. Uh, every month when you pull your statement, just click on that and see what your score is. And I would even go so far as to set it up in a little spreadsheet or mark it down in your day timer when you check your score and just write the number down. Then next month, write the number down and make sure you're seeing, is it going up? Is it going down? Is it staying the same? And if you start to see something's going down or going a little wonky on you, every year I would one inquiry for free on pulling your hard, uh, hard report to see what your credit score is like. And, and at some point during the year, I recommend you always do that because it's helpful with identity theft and accuracy and all that. Don't wait until the day before you're going to apply for a mortgage and pull your score because it's going to be, if there's something wrong with it, you need to fix it. You don't give yourself enough time. But if you start to see something wonky going on with your credit score, then you might want to have a look and see what your credit, what's going on with your credit report, because that's, got the potential to affect your interest rates. So those are some points that we're going to keep an eye on going through this whole pandemic. The other thing that we're going to talk about is what's changed and what's probably not changing back. Well, I get a lot of questions about electronic signatures. So what is an electronic signature or an e-signature as we see it? That is a legal way and it's legal to get your consent or your approval on electronic documents. Uh, it, it replaces your handwritten signature and it is legal and binding. So you are definitely seeing more people send stuff electronically and electronically through uh, uh, signature documents like DocuSign or Signable or any of those companies that they send, you log in. So I would log in and I would do up the documents and I would put a little flag on it through their software saying sign here and date here. And then it comes to you, you click on it. And then you that clicking is either you physically sign your name either through your, your pad or on a touch screen. 
uh, and that signs your name. And, and I always laugh because they hardly ever look like your real signature on paper, but they're legal. Or you can click on text uh, type and it, you type your name and it just signs it as if you typed it. But it has all the stamps on it to say that you signed it and at this email and all this and everything else. So it's all legal. So if you're signing something electronically and it's very, very easy to do. If you're getting emails and it says, click here to sign your name, be so very careful. You don't know if, if that's not something you're expecting. It's like opening spam and getting a, a virus on your computer. If you're not expecting any documents to be signed and you click on it to sign it, you don't know what you've signed. So be very, very careful. If somebody is sending you a document and they tell you, I'm sending you a document via signable or DocuSign or whatever it is, you're going to get an email and it's going to say, hey, Kathy Cook Noble sent you this document to sign. And you're going to be like, yep, she told me she was going to, and it's all going to match and it's going to be what you talked about and it's going to walk you through it and boom, you signed it, it's legal. Where are people using some of these um, documents? All over the place. So the the cool thing about this these signatures is they're encrypted. So it's um, it's a security feature that it's instead of what's called the the wet signature. I don't know if you ever if you've heard that term uh, where they say I need a wet signature. That means uh, you hand wrote that signature, not uh, electronically. Um, a lot of electronic signatures are being used for places like commercial agreements. So if you're going to rent a business uh, space, then you might be asked, you probably are going to be asked to sign a, a lease. And then that, that e-signature is going to be considered your actual signature on the lease and all terms and conditions are binding. If you're going to rent a, a house or an apartment, same story, you're gonna, you could possibly get the document sent to you electronically. As soon as you click on that, you've accepted all the conditions and terms that go with it. Uh, which means if you default anything in there that you can be sued for, you can be sued because it's an electronic signature. There, this, the electronic signature is the consent between the two parties to use this electronic signature process. So it can be express, which means an agreement is a provision saying that both parties are consenting to the use of the signature, or it can be implied. And these are some legal terms that you probably have heard about, but uh, implied means that there's a reasonable ground to believe that the consent is genuine and it's relevant to the information or the document that we're signing. Um, this is important because when you start to hear and see legal terms like that, that means that it's held up in a court of law. So if you think that you're gonna sign you're going to go and you're going to lease a Viper or a Lamborghini or some kind of vehicle because, you know, you're, uh, it's COVID and all you can do is just drive and you can't work. You're at home and you're, you know, you're under quarantine. So you go and you're going to lease this vehicle and you think you're just going to have fun with it for a few months. Once you do that electronic signature, it's yours and all the legal ramifications that come with it. So be very, very careful what you're signing and, and when and how you're signing it, because it's very easy to sign up for stuff and click on this online and you get, you know how it is, you get sent stuff. If, if I feel like sometimes if you're even thinking about buying something, the ad shows up and it reads your mind. So you just want to be very careful on what you're signing. Um, it's also important to know what is excluded from some of the electronic signatures. 
wills and powers of attorney, they are excluded. You cannot do an e-signature on a power of attorney or a will. So if you're going to change your will, you have to have a wet signature on that with all the witnesses that go with it. Um, under real estate, you, you can do, and they are doing uh, electronic signatures. So if you're going to buy a house or uh, in actually using where they're using them the most is on mortgages. So if you're renewing your mortgage or going to get a mortgage, then you can be using that electronic signature. And a lot of the times your lender probably is because it is very convenient. It's very easy and it saves paper <laughs> and it saves time and everybody gets a copy. So as soon as you do an electronic signature, DocuSign or whoever it is, they send you your copy. They say, hey, you finished signing this document. Here's a copy of it for your records. And then you can just download that and save it on your computer. And the nice thing about that is I see people all the time who can't find uh, their documents because it's all hard copies, right? Well, this is helping eliminate that because now you're going to have a copy, a digital copy on your computer. So if you needed to look up your mortgage details or you need to look up your rent, commercial rent agreement or whatever the case is, then it's right there. So there's definitely some pros and cons to the signature uh, being electronically. We have come up to our third and final break of the night. So we're going to take our last break. We'll talk our wrap up our talk about some of these uh, electronic signatures and what to look for and what to be aware of. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to Financially Speaking on the Inspired Choices Network. I am your host, Kathy Cook-Noble, and I will be right back. Too many of us get caught up in the unreal lives of reality television and complete to acquire stuff, which is setting us up to accumulate lots of debt. We're scared, confused, and don't know who to talk to. By tuning into Financially Speaking Radio Show with financial advisor and educator Kathy Cook-Noble, you'll learn tips you can use to improve your financial health, which in turn can improve your overall health and make for a very happy life. Live a life you can afford and enjoy. It is possible. Listen for Financially Speaking Radio Show every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. This is Financially Speaking Radio Show with financial advisor and educator Kathy Cook-Noble. To participate in the program, call in the U.S. 815-880-8255, Canada 613-800-8736, or Skype us at Inspired Choices Network. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email by sending to kathy at bookkeepplus.ca. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to Financially Speaking on the Inspired Choices Network. And I am your host, Kathy Cook-Noble. Before we went to the break, we were just talking about e-signatures or electronic signatures and how this world is changing. And sometimes it's just changing faster than we can possibly keep up with. I know in my practice, uh, there was a lot of insurance, life insurance companies that didn't have the online ability completely. And they sure were working on it before, but uh, the motivation to work on it after everybody became quarantined was even faster because you couldn't go out to get signatures on uh, all the documents that you needed. So some of those became very, um, the IT people 
were very quick to get some stuff together. And those are legal and binding and form part of the terms and conditions of every of the documents they sign, electronic signatures. They are legit. Now, I say that, but they're not always accepted on everything. This is why I said you want to be really careful. What are they accepted on? So for example, um, they're not. So if you are, I told you that wills and powers of attorneys, they need to have wet signatures, which is your actual signature, we'll call it. Uh, share certificates, they have to be physically delivered to the lender if um, that's what you're working on. Um, so there's some things, some areas I should tell you that the law steps in and it's a little bit, it's like anything, right? There's no black and white, there's ambiguity in, in all things. So what we have to know is that some lender forms, they might accept a wet signature if the document is following. So you might not just be able to do it electronically, you might have to get the signature um, or you might have to get an electronic signature with the understanding that you're going to get the document hand delivered or sent by hard copy. Uh, in those cases, you want to make sure you're, you know what to do, or especially if you're the one that needs the signature. So say you're the person that's getting someone to sign something, you need to make sure that it's going to be legal and binding and upheld because you go through this whole exercise and you, you act on it and then you realize that it's not legal, that's a whole other can of worms that you don't want to open. Um, commissioning and notarizing. Uh, the Law Society has said that you have to have a person's witness, uh, have to be a witness, the notarizing of a signature. So it's got to be clear, made before the oath, uh, because you have to take an oath on it. Uh, they, this is where they can use the video conferencing. They can identify or verify your ID if they have to. They can take a digital image of that if they need it. Um, the commissioner or notar notary uh, usually revises the location um, just so that it, it reflects the fact that they're commissioning or notary notarizing it by video conference. But digital signature is not what they're going to go towards. The reason for this is um, the some of the risks for this virtual commissioning. They they don't want to have fraud or identity theft or have undue influence. So that's there's a lot of areas. It's so it's fascinating to me when you think about it. How many different shoots that come off? One you think you got it? For, oh, we'll do electronic signature. Isn't that easier? Well, yeah, but not everything is accepted as electronic signature and. The reason for that is because you can have a lot of fraud or identity theft or anything like that. So you, you want to make sure that um, you know whether you're signing something, if it's legal, if it's not legal, um, and what you need to do to make it legal if it should have been legal. So that is, in a nutshell, electronic signatures. And I know I've had people ask me lots of times, can I sign this electronically? Um, is, it, is it legal if I sign electronically? It depends on the document. I know right now, since we're listening, we're, this is financially speaking, I'm going to talk to you about the financial side. Uh, there is an awful lot of digital signatures that we're doing now, and it's 100% legal. There's a lot of paperwork uh, that, that goes with this industry. And the nice thing about the electronic signature is it takes a little while, but once we have it set up and I just click on sign here, 
and date here and sign here and date here and all the documents go through, you now have a copy of all the documents too, which is very good because you should keep your copies and you should, uh, because they're electronic, you should have no problem just saving them on your computer. So that's the nice part of it. Uh, electronic signatures on some parts in some companies, some policies with insurance, life insurance, uh, that also works. There are some companies that it's not just about the signature. There's other steps that have to be taken, like verifying IDs. So you want to make sure uh, if you're dealing with somebody that's asking you for an electronic signature that you know who they are or you trust them or they checked out with your references or whatever the case is. Uh, just make sure you're not leading yourself thinking you're, you're making it easy here, but you're leading yourself into problems down the road with either fraud or identity theft. And, and that's sadly what we have to be aware of in this pandemic, that there's other problems that could spring from trying to solve the problem of not being able to go out in public. So this pandemic that we are all experiencing and we're all in this together, there's a lot of different changes that are taking place that are going to stay here. And in the financial world, electronic signatures is definitely going to be one of them. Um, storing things electronically is going to be one of them because of the paperwork. Uh, one of the, the key areas, though, is make sure if you're signing stuff, deferring payments, um, you're not doing yourself a big favor if you just say, yeah, yeah, defer that payment and then you keep living the way you are because you're causing, you're going to be causing more stress down the road for you and your family. And that is really, really important because I see people getting into trouble. I worry that bankruptcies will be so high after we get through this pandemic because people weren't able to sustain their lifestyle and they didn't want to make any adjustments to it. And, and we really need to be aware of these things because the bankruptcy, that's a whole other conversation is what happens when there's a bankruptcy, how does that change your life? And how does that affect your credit or your, your financial status? So be very aware. If I, if you heard nothing tonight, just hear this, be very, very careful and mindful of your credit and very careful of where your financial cash flow is. Uh, and be, don't be afraid, depending on who you're banking with, don't be afraid to check with your financial institutions on their website and check your credit. And all you have to do is check that beacon score, that FICO score and see what it is. We will be right back again next week on the same time, same place, the Inspired Choices Network. And we will talk more about finances when we meet again. Have a great week and we will see you here uh, every Monday night. Thank you for choosing to listen to Financially Speaking Radio Show. Kathy Cook Noble will return next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspireChoicesNetwork.com. We hope you'll join us. Until then, have the best week of your life by making the choices that bring you all that you desire.